Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good. I actually hit my mark this time. All right. Sounds great. Oh, wait, this is this is the – that's next week. Yeah, I missed my <laughs> mark next week. I want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs handled right here at the beginning. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's number four. Capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order. And we pass over to Matt for other shout-out. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne, uh, the, the man who's <laughs> going to walk through any forbidden door. He wants to. <laughs> Orlando Cologne. That sounds like a uh, segue, Matt. It is a segue. So, yeah, uh, we've been getting a little into a little more contemporary stuff here recently, and it's not even so much that we've wanted to steer back towards. It's just there's been really cool stuff happening, and a really cool thing happened. We had the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, and there's just a lot of really cool stuff on it, so we wanted to do a quick rundown. We're going to assume... If you're listening, you're probably at least already a little familiar, but uh, this was uh, this was a fun show. Uh, it's been well received. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues like going with the booking with the show, um, part of which were not AEW's fault because guys on in AEW and New Japan were just dropping left and right with injuries, like and, to the, uh, illness. Yeah, and illness, like to the point where. One of them, we'll talk about it, but one of the matches like it was supposed to have uh, a wrestler, and he like right before he like is supposed to fly out to the United States, it's like oh he has a fever, he can't come. It's like Jesus, really the like the to the to the wire like a guy's going down, and then people yeah. got injured on the show. At least yeah. one person. Yeah. The uh, the main show had nine matches, and I believe that eight of them had some kind of change take place because of this sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, I don't think we're going to dig into the buy-in all that much. Uh, usually the buy-in is available on YouTube if you'd like to to look over that. But They had a bunch of matches on buy-in, though. They did. They had four. Um, Most of it seems to be uh, like either New Japan LA Dojo yeah. guys or just AEW guys that otherwise would be on – like darker elevation, like yeah. uh, the factory QT Marshall's faction was featured. Yeah, uh, Nick Camarado Com- uh, was on there. It, it the f- there's some fun cross company matches on there for you know for kicks. Mm-hmm. Probably the best one of those four ones was uh, 
Swerve in Our Glory, so Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Yeah. Um, facing El Desperado in uh, Kanemura. Like, that's, that was a good match. Um, but, I sorry, I want to interject something. So, Nick Camarado, I saw someone on wrestling Twitter yeah. be like, oh, Nick Camarado, like, that's a gimmick that's better in the WWE. Like, he should be in the WWE. And it's like, yeah, he was, guys. <laughs> he actually was. He was in their developmental brand, and they didn't like him, so they got rid of him. So, yeah. Uh, I guess he's better off in AEW. Yeah, it's it, he, it is demonstrably untrue. Mm. But um, the the first match on the show, whenever they kicked off, this was the match. The winning team got the the main advantage for the blood and guts match. Uh, which by the time this goes up, I believe that the blood and guts match will be done. But it's between the Jericho Appreciation Society and. Um, Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston and uh, Proud and Powerful. So this was this was it was actually uh, Jericho Appreciation Society plus Murder Grandpa Minro Suzuki. <laughs> That's my favorite nickname for him. Uh, I, uh, and they were up against uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, if I mangled these names, guys, I'm going to ask for you to please bear with me. Because um, Jericho, Guevara, and Suzuki versus Kingston, uh, Shota Amino, and Wheeler Yuta. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, Suzuki and uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society went over, but that's because we're going into uh, blood and guts. And, you know, getting that, getting that advantage is typically what happens with the heels, because. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's pretty standard stuff. So not a huge shocker there. Um, still, you're if you've got Suzuki, Jericho, and Guevara in there with Kingston and Wheeler Yuta, and I don't even know Shoto Amino, uh, but, I, you know, they had a good match. They had a really good match. Uh, I I could be wrong, but uh, wasn't Amino, like, a couple years back, wasn't he, like, the young lion who Moxie like, beat the hell out of and then basically adopted and it's like yeah he's yeah. my young boy now <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. like there was an he did an infamous like promo where he's like talking after his uh win he's like talking with people and in umino is like almost like passing out like sounding like he got the hell beat out of him <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> meanwhile while while mox is like holding his holding on to him so he doesn't like fall down and yeah. talking about like ah, like this kid's great he's my young lion <laughs> <laughs> it was like pure, like un, like very, very good comedy. Um, right. Uh, I full disclosure, I did not watch this pay per view, um, but I did. I, I've seen some clips and I've, I've read a lot about it. But um, Umino is getting like rave reviews uh, for this match, like to the point where people are basically kind of saying like he what he made this particular match, right? Uh, just because he got the, like the the hell beat out of him, um, and much like in in the recent like Wheeler Yuta. Uh, where he basically joined the the Black Bull Combat Club. Yeah. Um, he got the hell beat out of him and still kept coming. So right. obviously that's the thing that like the obviously Japanese workers like to do that a lot where it's like you you show how tough you are and you show how you're ready for like the prime time by just taking an ass beating and still keep coming. Fighting spirit, uh, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he showed a lot of it. So uh, um yeah, it, it's uh, I I've seen what I've had to do is go through and watch pieces of this as I've had time to. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 
Kingston, Kingston, Suzuki have a good have a little sequence, and Eddie Kingston is one of my favorite guys to watch right now. But oh, yeah. Eddie needs to not be doing a rapid fire chop spot because it does not work for him. Um, he's obviously like a huge for people who don't know Eddie Kingston is a huge All Japan uh, fan. So he's he does a lot of All Japan type of Kings Road stuff, and I mean he loves Kenta. Kita Kobashi, uh, but yeah, he doesn't have like he doesn't quite have the presence of Kita Kobashi or the speed of Kita Kobashi back in the day. So the the rapid fire chops just doesn't yeah doesn't doesn't fly doesn't uh, really fly. But Eddie Kingston is one of the guys I I understand why he's kind of like your number one or one of your number one guys right now because he's just as He's so amazing to watch. He's like, there are a few people in wrestling in general, but I feel like certainly like in the modern era, like that really just really come off and convey emotion. Yeah. And you can get so invested in. Yeah. That, but Eddie Kingston is, is maybe at the top of that list. And I'm really and, happy. Like that's a guy who struggled for years, both with his personal demons and yeah. everything. And to see him on like the, a huge platform, be getting all of this focus and be just beloved by fans. Like the guy deserves it. Like he's paid more than paid his dues. Yeah, and he's proving why he deserves to hang uh, with mm. the the crew he hangs with. But okay, so the next match on the card. This one was. This one had a fun wrinkle that, I mean, freaked everybody out in it. But this was the three-way winner-takes-all tag team match uh, with the Ring of Honor titles and the IWGP tag titles on the line. was FTR versus the United Empire of Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb and Rapongi Vice, Rocky mm-hmm. Romero, and Trent Beretta. Over the, uh, the course of this one... Early on, to avoid the trope that happens in triple threats where... You know, these two guys are going, and then someone gets hurt, and he rolls to the outside to sell for a little bit. They found a clever way to get around this, and a way that kind of played into everybody's tensions. Dax Harwood went down and was walked to the back holding his shoulder. And everyone was like, no, no, this can't be what's going on. This show is cursed. We can't be having, you know, Uncle Dax go out this way. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was just a clever way to get around the triple threat thing, because only about five minutes later, here come Wheeler and Harwood back, and and Harwood's got his shoulder all taped up and stuff. And they take the win with the biggest of rigs for the finish. Um, FDR had another banger match. And they have so much gold now, they don't even know what to do with it. (laughs) And quite possibly AEW tag champs i think that's where it's leading because i think that's why they keep putting more belts on them yeah uh i I mean it's well let me get we're talking we're we're in the midst of a legendary tag run right now yes it's Mm -hmm. it it really is it's it sometimes you can't appreciate that when you're like in the moment observing it uh but yeah they are having an absolutely like hall of fame year like they are just on another level. There's every there's them and then like every other tag team. And I say that even about like the young bucks who 
there's been a lot of discourse on like Twitter and everything about the Young Bucks. But they've been uh, good this year, though. The Bucks have been pretty good this no, year. Oh, oh, they have. I'm, I'm just saying, like, there are people who are saying that the Young Bucks may be they're arguably like the greatest tag team of all time. And you might be like, like, it, it's difficult to say that because I mean, they're still in their career. Yeah. But if they like tomorrow, if they're like, yeah, we're done. We're like, we're retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could obviously have that conversation. And I think I would argue that they would rank really high. But at the moment right now, it's FDR. Like FDR, yeah. not the greatest of all time, but I mean, they're maybe the best in the business right now. And they're yeah. having such a Hall of Fame year that it's it's crazy. They're um they are my tag team of the year right now and they could they could disappear tomorrow and I don't see someone unseating them. And Dax is on my short list for worker of the year. Oh yeah. When Absolutely. We, when we talk about like the end of the year like who we think has been the best, like he's going to be in the in the consideration. And we're only about halfway through the year. Like he has yeah literally six more, more months of doing such impressive stuff. Like even honestly, if he like, again, if he never wrestled it, God, I don't want him to have an actual injury, but if he was like, had an injury or something where it's like, yeah, guys, I have to take six months off. Like I'm not, I won't be back until like January of 2023. Like he would still be in the contention for wrestler of the year. He's, he's just been so good. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, but, but like they are having <laughs> one of the best years I think a tag teams ever had. And, um, mm-hmm. Those people that try and talk up the Usos, like, no, it's not even, it's not even close. Not even no. close. No, it's not even close. The they, F- FTR is having such a good run right now that I am considering whether or not they're going to end up supplanting the Steiners as my all-time favorite tag team. Like, that's they're doing so good. Mm-hmm. No, they're they're like having. I think you maybe get to see like something like this once every twenty years, and I don't think we've seen like. The last time I think we saw something catching fire like this was maybe like Goldberg and like early Austin stuff. Like I don't th- think we've seen like in North America we've seen something like this in a long time. And they've turned face simply, but they haven't actually changed anything. They've turned face strictly off their performances. Yep. Just. And when you were talking about seeing this so rarely in my head, I was thinking tag team. So I was like, are we going back to like rock and roll midnights? But uh, I take your point as well. We are kind of going like this. They're so good. It's like they're going to be in the contention of people like the midnights for mm-hmm. just like all time best tag teams. And it's just so good. Like and obviously uh, talking about the Usos, um, <laughs> uh, I think Uncle Dax. Dax Hardwood is kind of fanning those flames. Good naturedly, I'm sure. Yeah. But he, he had a post earlier today where it's like, maybe we're the top tag team, Oos. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's just like kind of trolling a little bit. Well, but he, it's it, them holding all their like belts too. They're the seven star guys right now. Yeah. Let me, let me ask a question. Did he actually hurt his shoulder? Cause I, on his Twitter, he's kind of insinuating that he like separated his shoulder and that they just like popped it back in, and then he went back out there. Oh, I I was under the impression it was a work. Uh, okay, I I don't know. Like in some of the pictures, he has like tape up. So he I don't did, know. but I, look, we're dealing with guys who not only are getting over big, but are also really really good at like pseudo kayfabe work kind of stuff. So maybe he's keeping it taped up to sell it. Maybe it really did happen. I don't know. 
they they are one of the few wrestlers that use Twitter properly. Mm-hmm. And uh... actually, that's one thing I know. I know you don't like him, Shad, but one of the other few wrestlers that actually uses Twitter properly is Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But we were talking about it in relation to something else that we're not going to get into. But we were yeah. talking about today how social media has ruined wrestling. <laughs> it's ruined yeah. a lot of stuff. Look, if you feel a certain way, like you, by all means, like go that way. Um, but I don't need to know. I don't need to know people's political leanings one way or the other. Well, I don't need them breaking uh, character either. Yeah, and I don't need them like. I mean, I don't need the kind of like over bravado gimmicky or not gimmicky stuff. And I don't need them calling out not. specific fans because they're thin skinned assholes. Yeah. There's beyond that. Like there have, there are wrestlers who it's like, I'm not sure if their career is going to survive their social media. Um, because like GCW an independent wrestler, like AJ gray, like he might be done. And it's because, like, it's come to light that he actually might be, like, a sex pest. Oh, God, um, really? I, and was, like, uh, according to... This is, obviously, it's he said, she said. Yeah. But sounds like he was really engaging in possibly inappropriate con, uh, con, communications. Was he pulling a, was he pulling a, what's-his-face, Velveteen Dream? No, but I mean, it sounds like he was having some inappropriate conversations with a girl who's trying to be an influencer, but a girl who very clearly lets people know that she is 17 years of age. Oh, and so he was he was having like conversations with her that she felt were very aggressive. Uh, and she's like, he. I let him know multiple times that I was 17, and it's like on my on my actual profile that I'm 17. Uh, so not quite velveteen I need to stop dream, but yeah, almost it, like I need to stop liking people because I actually kind of liked AJ Gray. <laughs> well, he says like he didn't know, even though it's on a profile. He's kind of just pulling like a like oh, I didn't like go on a profile and see. But oh, come on, dude, and, like, and I can fucking well, bullshit. I'm not like in the business of defending people for sex pest stuff, but he doesn't seem like a bright guy. So it's like, well, it's possible you didn't know because you probably didn't go to her profile. But after after someone does tell you like this is not really appropriate let's stick it to business because uh, i think she wanted to interview him slash like do some sort of like actual job with him by job i mean like i don't know if it's like merchandise or some sort of business venture like she was they were having she was trying to like steer the conversation to that and uh, he was getting like weird with her like uh, you know that sounds like, it sounds like if you threw the underage thing out that he was still being a creep, so... Um... He, he, yeah, if you throw the underage thing out, he at least was being, like... A sex pest. Kind of, well, not, yes, because it's tough, because, like, sex pest is, like, there's there's levels of sex pest that we've learned wrestling. It's, like, there's full-on sex pest versus just being, like, completely inappropriate. Yeah. Hey, our but friend, uh, our friend, speaking of sex pests, too, our friend Justin said Joe Ryan got a... <laughs> got a job at disney oh wow he did i saw photos where he's basically like uh like the the jungle safari which is like i was there like a couple months back like i didn't see him but i don't know what's going on well justin was like they must not have done their homework and i'm like well knowing the way disney's been going that probably helps him get a job (laughs) yeah uh 
uh, speaking about speaking of Justin, uh, Justin is a is a fan of Dax uh, because Dax is a noted super fan of Bret Hart. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I can appreciate that. So I think that uh, Dax. Uh, by the way, if you haven't, go look up the post uh, post Forbidden Door media scrum FTR is on because they're just great in that. And Dax talks about how big this is for him and, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that, uh, Dax said, I think he said something that his biggest bragging right is that he has Bret Hart's phone number. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, remember, remember, I mean, they would have, remember when that guy attacked him at the hall of fame weekend, uh, Dax and cash are the guys that tuned him up real good afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I'd have to go back and look. I remember they're walking him out and Cash hooked him in a quick headlock and popped him in the face. Yeah, but they were like the but, first uh, ones there and they so they were probably like, Hey man, we just beat this guy up for you. Like how about how about some digits, man? I you know, I don't even think they needed to do that, but uh They're well. probably just sad that Stu's not around to like, you know, stretch them in, in his basement. You know what? I'd be okay without getting stretched myself. It's well, you're, you're not you're not into like an, a creepy old man like taking young boys into his uh his <laughs> basement to roll around. Stretch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. But anyway, do you, um, do you like having your back rubbed? No. No. Do you like it, my, about if my gladiators. Probably, it, I think I've only ever seen Spartacus. Um, Do you, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? No, no, I haven't. I'm running out no. of lines that the pilot used. God damn it! <laughs> so yeah, really good match. Absolutely, sixteen and a half minutes, so it didn't drag on forever. It, none of the matches here got super long, with the exception of one. But the 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 ones that we'll get there. Um, the next match on the card was the four-way for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Which, we, we haven't really talked about that, but I'm not in on this belt. They did not need this belt. They didn't. Um, and I have seen some discourse from people that said that, it, to, to the extent that AEW need another championship, which they don't, but if they need another championship, then it probably should have been like the equivalent of a high-speed championship like they do in Stardom. Because they have guys on that roster that could go like, they could basically do like a high speed style match, and just go all out like Dante Martin, Ray Phoenix, yeah. Darby like Allen. and Darby Allen, and that would be really kind of interesting. But they haven't done that. They did another championship, which I don't feel like they need. But um, I mean, Tony Khan does like a weird. It's AEW is kind of like a weird mix of different companies and genres. So them doing like another belt, I don't feel like that's necessary, but it kind of makes sense because I mean, a lot of like the old school Southern type of promotions that he seems to have enjoyed growing up mm-hmm. uh, or been a fan of, like they do multiple belts, and uh, it's hard to say like people who love places like New Japan or Japanese wrestling, it's like it's hard to say like well they have too many belts because New Japan has like a million belts, right. and they're not even alone in that like. Practically every wrestling Japanese wrestling company has like eight different belts running around. I've, we've done reviews of Stardom earlier this year, and Stardom has like 
eight belts or something. They have Three a lot of belts. singles. No, four single, four or five singles, a trios, and a tag, and there might be a second tag in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that might not even include like their rising star belt, but they have a a metric crap load. Mm-hmm. I think so, PJPW uh, might only have four belts. Uh, they have a tag belt, the two singles. Ma- uh, I'll look it up in a second. I'll, let me count um, Stardom's and see. Stardom has. Oh, I'm going guess chip? eight for Stardom. One, two. Oh, TJ, TJPW has three. So it has the. Three. Five. They have five. Princess Championship, Princess of Princess Championship, Princess Tag Team Championship. That's all TJPW has. Yeah. But they have a smaller roster, yeah. I feel. Uh, Stardom has like five singles ones, uh, and then a tag, and then uh, the trios. So seven. Yeah. That's pretty good. I, was, I guessed eight. But that's in, in a company that's – they don't have the, near the roster size of AEW. It's like they have technically seven championships. It's like – so saying like AEW has like, oh, they have too many. It's like they also have like 100-plus people in the roster. It's like – like you could you could do it with them. Let's see, like world title, you have TNT title, now the Atlantic title. Uh, then you have the two women's titles, that's five. Uh, and then the tag titles, that's six. Okay. Yeah, they Even have like six. All Japan has six currently. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. I think didn't Tony Khan or didn't Tony Khan say they already they are going to do a trios title? I would. Supposedly. Supposedly, I mean, yeah. I am not necessarily against that because I think they have, they had, they've kind of walked back from this from the when they started, but they, they do have enough. They had enough trios, yeah, like a couple of years ago that they would make more sense. Like it makes less sense now, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind a trios title versus over like the Mid Atlantic title or this Atlantic right. title because they have enough guys they but they could probably feature more guys at once doing mm-hmm. this but uh, I don't know we'll see we'll probably get we'll probably get a trios title by the end of the year yeah supposedly they're waiting on Omega to come back to start that up but mm. um, I, I don't know when that's going to happen I don't know either so I, I will say this like I this is not to rag but it's like there are people out there that I understand that the booking or the, the promotion for this could have been more it could have been more ideal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people went down with injuries, but it could have been more ideal. But there are people that, like hardcore fans, that were just like losing their minds. It's like, well, I think they should do Okada versus Omega at the pay per view. And it's like Omega, who had to take himself off the road like a month ago because he wasn't healing like he needed to be, who yeah. had double knee surgery, like shoulder surgery, a hernia operation, had vertical that he's getting over. It's like, you, you want him to come back and face Okada. With like zero build, at yeah, a, at just a pay per view, just randomly thrown out there, just like, no. just to do it. Yeah, it's no, like that's... guys, how spoiled are you that you just want that match? Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, they've done it before. You could just go find it, but you know. So, um, 
that uh, this match ends. I, I've seen the finish. By the way, uh, since Ishii had to uh, bow out because he had a knee injury, and apparently a really bad one, Clark Connors took his spot. Mm-hmm. And Clark Connors was the story of this match. This dude worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. There, there are people who obviously are put in situations like this mm-hmm. uh, where they can make a a big impression. And this dude like rose to the occasion to try and and be as impressive as he could be. Yeah. Here's the guy that over the weekend probably blew his spot up with New Japan because he was bitching publicly he wasn't in the oh, G1. Carl Fredericks. Yep. Was his sack is he of all the New Japan um, dojo the American guys outside of someone who's kind of already established in Tom Lawler. Like he, like Carl Fredericks is kind of like that dude. Like he was the dude that probably was like the next in line to actually get like a push. Mm. But he, I don't know if he got assurances or something, but he, he probably would have been the one to to replace Ishii in this, but he, that dude's like blown up his spot to the point where it's like, I don't know if he's going to be in new Japan again. Yeah. Because they don't take kindly to, you like trash talking them, especially in public. Right. Well, and that one was dumb too. That one was. I mean, that. you have look. Do you think it's unfair or not? You have to appreciate that New Japan's style is like you have to toil away in the trenches sometimes for years before they start doing stuff with you. Sometimes. Yeah. Like like Aaron Hanare has been there for years, and. Finally, it's like, okay, we'll start giving you, like, a gimmick and put you with, like, a faction. And all of a sudden, like, now he's in United Empire. And it's like, okay, they're doing something with him. He's actually getting kind of, like, a push. So it takes time. You have to put in your dues. And you, you can either get frustrated by that and leave, or you can just toil away yeah. and reap the rewards down the road. Because that's, like, the system. It's like you can in, – in New Japan and other – elsewhere in – in Japan, like you can be a young, quote unquote, young boy for like a years, years and years and years. And it's not like it's unknown that, mm. uh, you know, they don't take kindly to you talking like that. Mm. So, you know, he just pretty much just shot himself in the foot. Mm. Uh, this match ends with Pac winning. Uh, the finish was really cool. Malachi uh, did the Black Mist on Miro, so we might see some character change happen with it. Um, the next one uh, is <clears throat> Bullet Club, El Fantasmo, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson with uh, Hikaleo versus Dudes with Attitudes, <laughs> which is Darby, Sting, and uh, Shingo uh, Takagi. Am I saying that yes, right? that's All right. right. And look, Let's be honest for a second. Okay, Darby Sting and Shingo win, but really the story on this match is the open. Yeah. Because everybody's out. Uh, Bullet Club's up on the ramp. Sting's not out there yet. They shine the, the spotlight up in the rafters, and there's someone that looks like Sting's up there, so maybe he's going to rappel down. And it goes out, and the lights come back on, and there's this silhouette that's up on the entryway backdrop above Bullet Club. Like a full-on Batman silhouette, and they turn. Sting is standing on top of the face entrance tunnel and jumps and wipes the whole of them out. Mm -hmm. He is three years from being able to claim Social Security, (laughs) and he jumped off of the top of 
what may legitimately be a 15 foot tall tunnel and just got up straight away. And interestingly, in doing that, here comes Darby up the ramp and takes a skateboard and just beats the piss out of Hikaleo. Yeah. In order to keep Hikaleo from interfering uh, with the rest of the match. But, Los, I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead. That, that, that's really the, st- the story with the match. Los Tingonables, <laughs> as the Kevin yep. Kelly said. Um, yep. I, at this point, I, I love him. He's like, he's kind of risen to be my personal, like, greatest of all time. Yeah. Like, I just love seeing and yep. I have like years because when I when I first got into wrestling like in ninety two going on thirty years now, like this year is like we're fast approaching like the thirty year anniversary of me being like a wrestling fan. Yep. Like started watching as a child. And when I first started watching, like Sting was like basically like the main face there, so I have kept that fandom for like years and years and years. And I mean it's he's an easy one to get because he's like fantastic. But at, at this point in his his life and his career, he's 62 63 yeah and it seems to be that he anytime he has a match he'll go up to them and be like okay so what can i jump off of how high is that going to be okay it's not high enough him doing he's that. hanging out with darby too much <laughs> he's basically that. slowly morphing into new jack <laughs> him, him doing the sting um the sting like no sell after the double super kick from the bucks was pretty cool too because he just leans back and he kind of does like the creepy like stands up straight and then he does the whole like beating his chest thing. Yeah. You know what I think? I think that Sting was listening to an old like Brian Alvarez, uh, Dave Meltzer observer from like a year or two ago when they were talking about how like he was in a match and he was doing stinger splashes to people. And one of them, I think it might have been Brian or I can't remember if it's Brian or Dave, but they were like, oh, yeah, like he just stingers splashing to get like a lot of air on that. I think he was like, it's like the Michael, the Michael, the Jordan um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Netflix documentary. It's like, and I took that personally. It seems like he took yeah. it personally. It's like, know, okay, that one, I'll that show one, everyone. I'm going to jump from like greater and greater heights. That one pissed me off because I remember the exact spot they were talking about and it was against FTR. And it wasn't because he was old. It's because he got too close and he couldn't yes. right. get the, he couldn't get the jump properly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just go for it. So he could, he didn't get air because he didn't, he got too close. Right. Um, so the next match on the card was Thunder Rosa versus Tony storm. Uh, I, I hadn't gotten to pick this one up yet, but by all accounts, this was really good. Great. Oh. You know, we know Storm can work. We know Rosa can work. They go out there and they have a good wrestling match. I kind of feel bad because there's a whole discussion that we don't need to get into right now. But there's a whole like, – people are kind of hating on, on Rosa. Um, and I feel like part of that is like Tony Khan's fault because she's the champion and she should be like the focus. The focus should not be on Britt Baker. Like it should. Yeah. And yet they still are kind of like pushing her as like the focus. And it's like she's – I know she's over because I was at a show like a month or so ago and there was a huge line all day long for, uh, for Britt Baker. But I mean, it's still like your champion should be like the focal point. Yeah. So I feel like the booking of her title reign has, could be better. Um, and there's been like some allegations of sandbagging recently, which I don't think are like appropriate. No, um, that was, 
That was dumb speculation from people who didn't know what they were talking about. Well, Shad is a worker we were kind of talking about because Shafir had kind of screwed some stuff up and it felt like Rosa was like, no, 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 we are not doing this after you just dropped me on my head twice. Yeah, there's a certain amount of like, no, just just. There was there was accusations of sandbagging the suplex, but the thing about sandbagging the suplex is most there was no cue. She just grabbed Rosa and then started trying to lift her, so Rosa never had a chance to push off or post or anything like that. She's just trying to muscle her up, and it's like, well, yeah. um, the, I mean, it's impressive that you got him up there, but the uh, the segment in general that they thought that they called they they're accusing of a sandbagging like it didn't seem like it was very obvious sandbagging so much as like Thunder Rose was kind of like oh wait I'm not ready for this and then Schaefer just like muscled her over it seemed to me more like a miscommunication versus like I'm going to deliberately sandbag you to make you look bad it seemed more like that but there's a severe social media problem though with people commenting about entering things that they have no idea like what what like the ramifications are like remember everyone was against charlotte when nia Jax dropped her on her head twice and she just straight up smacked her in the face Mm -hmm. for a receipt and people were mad at her about that and i'm like well she did just get it dropped on her head twice like i would smack the shit out of that person too yeah that's that's an earned receipt Um, uh i think what people online don't understand is you're trusting each other with your body and if someone's not doing a good job like you're either going to stop cooperating or you're going to hit them and say, get your crap together because you're going to hurt me otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and some of the people on social media, they're pushing like hard. The sandbagging allegation are from what I know, there are people who are like friends with Roderick Star, Roderick Strong, who is Marina Shafir's husband. So I know that that's getting into like conspiracy theory type of stuff, but it's I'm being legitimate. Like the people that were that I that I was seeing pushing the whole sandbagging are like really good friends with Roderick Storm, who obviously had would like uh, would have an ulterior motive. That's, kind of that's I'm taking up for my friend, regardless of what this is. And, yes, and I tend to side with Thunder because Marina Shafir is just bad at wrestling. There's She's there's not... another spot in that match that mm-hmm. makes it very clear to me that no, this is not all on. There's a spot where she's got a hold of Rosa and it looks like she's going to do a front a front snapmare, and she doesn't drop down. She's just got a hold of Rosa by the head and then like tries to like fling her forward. And it's like okay, that right there is a failing on Shafir's part. That should not have happened. And Rosa being pissed about it. Yeah, I I get that. So, um, they're, they're, they're cherry picking stuff and Shafir and Rosa even squat, sorry, excuse me, squashed that. They got on Twitter and squashed it anyway. So, but you told us like part of like when they kick their foot is telling the person you need to get your ass in the air now. You see a lot of, okay. Especially when you see someone do a snap suplex, you've got them set up, you got the arm over the head, you've got the hooked in and you'll see like a guy will stomp. That is, I'm planting my foot, I'm lifting now, and let's go. And, you know, it's just, it's a real quick signal. Here we go, up and over. 
as opposed to just like, I've got you in here. Okay, when are we going? Oh, we're going now. I didn't get a chance to push off. You know, that's... Um, well, and well, Shafir's not, like, super experienced either. Yeah. And mm. so I think that's different. Like, I think, like, if... Like, let's say Shad and I are having a match, and Shad has, like, 10 to 12 years of experience, and I've worked with Shad before, and I know his, he's safe, and Shad fucks a couple things up early. I think I'm going to put him in a headlock and be like, bro, you okay? Like, you're kind of off your game tonight, versus if Shad was, like, a wet-behind-the-ears person with, like, four years' experience, I'm going to be like, wow, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. I only ever did that once. And uh, that was... There were some people where I, I, I snatched them, like, are you all right? And it's like, I, I'm off. I need a second. Okay, cool. And then there was one person who was like, how am I going to do this? I was like, hell you are. You try and do that, and I'm knocking you down. Um, but, but I think like, anyway. there's a certain buy-in, like, especially if you're familiar with them. But we talked about that with that one NXT women's match that was really bad, whereas, like, mm-hmm. you know, when they got lost in the rope spot, is there should be basics that you should know just to do or – get get through that and then slap a headlock on and be like okay like we got lost like where should we be yeah yeah but rosa and tony storm by all accounts had a good match i mean it's thunder rosa and tony storm them having a good match is not a shocker yep um this one is is probably the one that will raise the most ire but we'll try not to get lost in it um will osprey versus orange cassidy dax did nothing wrong Dax did mm-hmm. nothing. Look, Orange was probably the best matchup to have with Will Ospreay. Yes, because um, no one would take it seriously, which Ospreay should not be taken seriously. Yeah. People were hating on this, obviously, when it was like being built and announced. Because people people still are buying into, like, oh, Orange Cassidy. People are, uh, sorry, look, people are just listening to kind of like to Jim Cornette, where it's like, oh, he's just a comedy gimmick. It's like, no, he's not. Like, that's the whole... That's the whole thing about Orange Cassidy is that it's kind of a comedy gimmick until like the bell rings and like you might have some comedy initially or in spots during the match, but when he needs to go, it's like high octane. Like the dude is a fantastic worker. Well, you can tell those people don't um, necessarily watch every week because the gimmicks evolved a lot from where it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. It's a joke until it's not. Yeah. And from many people have said that this was like match of the night that he was just Orange Cassidy was just like fantastic. That's because he's a good worker. He's yes. an amazing worker. He was Fire Ant and Chikara, probably one of their best homegrown stars. Yes. Ever. Yeah. <clears throat> so but Shad, you had a you had a spot that really pissed you off in this match though. Um. God, which one was uh? When when um. Orange Cassidy did his stunner. Osprey did oh, like the. I know. I had. Uh, it. I that was I, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I had that reaction. I mean, like, I agree with you, Matt. But yeah, like it was Orange Matt. Cassidy did like his stunner, and like Will Osprey is basically like pops right up and then like does like a flail and everything, exaggerated flail, then drops down. And I was talking to again friend of the show Justin. Yep. And he's like, well, it's kind of just like you know a type of exaggerated. Uh, taking at the spot that like rock would do and Austin would stunner him. And it's like, it wasn't, yes, rock did it either. That's, though. that's kind of true, but I didn't like it necessarily back then. Uh, it's kind of, you know what it is? It's kind of like this year when you had Kevin Owens versus Steve Austin 
and Steve Austin gives a stunner to Austin Theory. And Austin Theory, like, takes it and then has to be like, oh, I'm standing up. Oh, let me throw myself into the air, like, six feet and then come down. It's like, it, that's unnecessary. Like, it, I know the exaggerated cell is, like, its own thing now. But it's like, it's no, you don't have to do that. the attention on you when the, the attention should be on the move that the other person just did. And they, that's, you know what, it, like, that spot, it's not as bad, obviously. But it, excuse me, it reminded me of when Shawn Michaels was, like, had enough of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and that infamous match he had up with Hulk Hogan. It's like Hulk Hogan would do a big boot, and it's like Shawn Michaels would do, like, an extraordinarily exaggerated sell at the big boot. Michaels like, hit the boot, dropped to the mat, got up, stumbled in a circle, and fell down again while Hogan wasn't looking. I remember yeah. that spot very well. Yeah. But it, it here's the thing. When Austin Theory did that at Mania, it was a comedy spot. When The Rock did cells like that, that was after years of doing straight cells, and it's a comedy spot. Like you said, Will Ospreay doing this off of one of Borge Cassidy's big spots is a Look at me, look at me, don't look at that. You know, you're trying to do it's not a comedy spot then. It's it's you being a jerk off. When Dax put him in the corner and did the chop and he threw his legs all the way up in the air, it's just like, Woohoo, look at what I can do. And so and Dax is like, You little shit. And then flatten him. It's like, yeah, Dax did nothing wrong. I do not like Will Ospreay. Like from what I have seen of him, I don't like him. It doesn't get any better. Like I told you, because no. you're kinda like I think it t- said everything when you were like you you asked us a question like well like he stopped screaming his spots before he did them because he thought that was a personality. My my statement I think was being flippy is not a gimmick in and of itself. Well, I told you where I don't buy into the Meltzer he's the best ever thing is he had a bad yeah. match with Kota Ibushi. It is literally impossible to have a bad match with Kota Ibushi. I have seen Kota Ibushi have a good match with a blow-up doll. <laughs> you, I, have that, sh- I have shown the you... Doll, the blow-up doll match was better. Like, <laughs> legit, it was better. Like, it was just... Shad, you remember I showed you the gif of him do- taking a pile driver from a blow-up doll. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. It, it's just, if you can't have a good match, like, I'm sorry, if you can't have a good match with Kota Ibushi, you're not an elite-level talent. Hell, I could have probably had a good match with Kota Ibushi, and I wasn't that good. Um, but, so they do this whole thing. The big takeaway from this is after the match is over, <clears throat> Shibata shows up and kicks the hell out of, uh, well, wait. What in the world? I, for some reason, my never mind. Shows up and kicks the hell out of everybody, and it was really cool to watch, and all that kind of you know. So Shibata showing up was really cool, and then Cassidy puts the uh, puts the aviators on Shibata and gives him the thumbs up. We'll gripe more about Will Osprey later. Well, I'm kind of um, glad that Osprey kind of bombed in AEW, so hopefully, like, we don't see much more of him. Yeah, I, I could go without that. Um, next up, we had the Zack Saber Jr. match. This was supposed to be Brian Danielson's spot, but he promised someone who was going to be worthwhile to take this spot, and they, even though it was what most people thought would happen, they delivered. We got Claudio Castagnoli. One of in... the biggest mistakes the WWE 
mm-hmm. made like in all of their releases and not pushing people recently. He they offered him a a resign and he turned him down. It's because he wants to work. But yeah. It, someone pointed this out on Twitter, but like the last the previous time he obviously had like an almost a 20 minute match with Zack Sabre Jr. which was extraordinarily well received by people Mm -hmm. um and then people noted that the last time he had been wrestling on on any sort of screen WWE indies whatever was he lost in like four minutes to uh Happy Corbin yep and it's like well gee folks uh WWE stands like why do you why do you think that he just like left why yep because he can either lose in a four minute nothing match on TV to Happy Corbin, or he can have like a twenty minute match with like one of the best technical workers on the planet. Like I, I don't know how you feel any any of you feel about Zack Sieber Jr. Like even if he's not your like favorite or cup of tea, like the guy is like a phenomenal worker, and there is a reason why that people were were very much angling for Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr. and why we are going to get that match at some point. I have yeah. opinions on Zack Sabre Jr. and I think Shad mirrors my opinions. And that's fine. But there are a yeah. lot of people that like him and I actually feel like the appreciation of Zack Sabre Jr. is far more justified than the, than the people who fanboy over Will Ospreay. No, I can, yeah, see, I, why, I, I, I can uh, see why people like Zack Sabre Jr. My issues with him are he is a spot monkey that tricks people because his spot monkery is is grappling. And he's mm-hmm. also a guy that does grappling spots that has obviously never grappled with another human being in his life because his grappling has no concept of someone resisting it. It's very like Johnny Saint where it's like, let me like do like all these twists and everything like that. And it's like the, the believability. It's like, OK, well, I guess I have to stand here for like a minute while you do that. And yeah. not just punch you in the face. But the thing, the thing, one of the things I do actually do appreciate about Zack Sabre Jr. is like if they have a match with the guy, uh, they'll have a match, and then they have a match again like down the road. Because that uh, that is the thing with like New Japan. It's like you will have repeat matches, but it it's logically it makes more sense. But if you have if a guy has a match with Zack Sabre Jr. and then has another match with him like three three months down the road. Zack Sabre Jr. will oftentimes like work that match so that things that the guy worked that worked for the opponent previously, like yeah. he now has a he now has a counter for that. So there is like some kind of quote unquote long term psychology involved. Uh, and that's something that I know we've talked about, like Orange Cassidy really employs, where it's like, okay, if like a move works on Orange Cassidy. Then next time you face him, like it's not going to work necessarily. He'll he'll have, have found a counter or some some one way to like a, a escape that or counter it. Uh, so he does that, which I do appreciate. But like that's something that again, like he can Claudio can have like a great match for twenty minutes, or he can be losing four minutes on TV. Like right. pick he, your poison. And if a guy loves wrestling, like he's going to choose wrestling. He did. Um, he did fix one of my chief complaints with him. He did figure out how to find sunlight and not be a pasty vampire. <laughs> yes. He's still so, too skinny, though. I don't know if he can fix that. But like, it's like put on yeah. like five pounds, dude. Like he, he bulked a, a little bit. It's like eat it here. Here's a here. I will give you the dollar for something off the McDonald's yeah. value menu. <laughs> um, 
I, this was a very well received match, and, and Claudia got like a star uh, reaction, um, yeah. which I'm happy for. But part of me is like slightly annoyed by this, only because like the fans, the fans again have kind of been like over, like unrealistic about some of the expectations for this show. Yeah, and it's like, what? How like spoiled are you with the riches of AEW? That because there are people talking about this a lot of talk about like who the yeah, mystery opponent was going to be and basically like anyone other than claudio was going to be like shit on like because there are people that talk about like oh it could be like johnny gargano which if you think about it like johnny gargano is a good enough worker that he could go out there and have like a great technical match with zach Sieber jr yeah but i could and, see i could see with how the last like two years of his nxt run went that people would be let down by yes he would have been a let down but people also made the argument which i think was actually very plausible and it's like this is a guy that has experience in war games, which is obviously like what Blood and Guts is. Yeah. So him being part of the BCC and participating in, in a Blood and Guts match would actually make logical sense. And it's like, well, that actually is logical. But again, yeah. people were angling for Claudio, and so anyone other than Claudio, like it, he, they would have been shit on. Um, and I get that, but it also kind of annoys me a little bit. It's like Claudio is going to be great. He's actually like a fantastic fit for the BCC. Yeah. And I think he's going to be just be like balls to the wall in in AEW. There's a, I do have a slight problem though. They're getting there's a little too much star power concentrated into the BBC now. Mhm. Um so I they're they're getting they're a little too strong in the context of AEW now. They are um they're I mean, they're like the baddest team that it's like I'm all in on BCC. Like, I think it's just fantastic. But I get what you're saying. It's like it's almost like they might need to implode sooner rather than later. You might have to see like the the face team version if they consider them faces. They're almost like tweeners because some of them are faces. Some of them are not like Danielson's like a heel. Basically, we might have to see them implode and go away in quick fashion like dangerous alliance style because you're right like there's a lot of like heavy hitters in that well it might also be that it's something that's set up that people can come and go and like go do new japan runs for a while and they have a place to come back to well we'll see we'll see what happens but uh so you know claudio gets the win the next one was the four-way for the IWGP World Championship. Uh, so Jay White wins over Hangman, Okada, and Adam Cole. And apparently Adam Cole did get hurt in this because there was kind of a scramble at the end for the finish. Did they know happened to Cole or anything? Allegedly it's concussion. Oh, God. So... Yeah. I have to say, in the build-up where Okada debuted, I thought Adam Cole was brilliant in that um, segment. Because he was uh, offended that Jay White wouldn't give him the match, and he's standing there with the belt, and, he's thinking and White about, spots him. And you can see that you can see those little gears turning in his head, and mm-hmm. then Jay White like turns and takes a step back when they make eye contact, <laughs> and then yeah. he quickly changes the subject. He's like, "Pick him up! I'm gonna hit him." Yeah, yeah. But I, I also, have not. I also like that debut, though, because, again, small attention to detail. I love how Okada comes out, and the first thing Jay White does is he gets the belt, and he, like, picks it up to taunt him with it. Yeah. Uh, they every His 
Okada showing up on Dynamite went super well. Everyone treated him like a big deal. Also, little observation I had is Okada's music has uh, a characteristic to it that I didn't realize I liked. Because you get the you get the coins and you get the initial guitar rift, and then it kind of fades in with the crowd noise. Like you can still hear it's there, but it's it's not overpowering the crowd. So he gets this big response, and then it kind of mixes with the crowd noise and makes – it feels like it makes the crowd sound like they're reacting louder, if that makes sense. It's it, it's something I can't remember seeing in somebody else's music before, but I like it. Um, I only got to see the finish on this one, so I haven't gotten to watch the, the full uh, madness that that it has. I'm looking forward to it, though. I uh, I'm sorry that he got hurt, but I'm okay with Adam Cole having like a long recovery <laughs> period. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like tired of seeing Adam Cole. Um, and apparently he's it, he has a concussion, but it, he uh, allegedly, but not just that. Allegedly he's been working through like a shoulder issue or injury. Yeah. So it's like you can have him just take a break, a dude. He's- with with the trajectory of how they've used him, he could use like three months off. This is a good time to like sit him for three months because you know really he's lost all the feuds he's been in and stuff. Like you need to, I think you need to sit him in reserve for a little bit. I I think that's the build for the Omega return, and I don't know how they want to. I mean, if Omega's not going to be back for a while, this is a good time to take a break. Yeah. There there is something that. That's this is actually like it's really really subtle, and people have noted this on on social media, and I think that it is brilliant like long term storytelling. I mean it's almost like a you blink and you miss it, but after Cole got hurt at the end of the match, you had the Young Bucks coming out, and the Young Bucks don't go to to check on Adam Cole. They go and they're like about to head over and see if Hangman Adam Page is okay. Mm. And Kyle O'Reilly like stops them. It's like, no, we got to check on on Adam. And then they like go over to Adam Cole. But it's kind of like brilliant in a way because it does set up that whole uh, young bucks. Who are they going to line with? Are they going to line with Adam Cole? Are they going to line with Kenny Omega? Is Hangman going to be in the picture? Because it looks to be like the Dark Order, which was kind of like siding with Hangman. Like they're slowly going away. Um, they're whittled like, down a bit. Yeah, it seems like well, just they're, right. they're job fodder on Elevated and Dark right now. Well, and, and some of them are actually like leaving. Like it seems like as of now, like Alan Angels is gone. Yeah. So that only leaves like a few people like. Like Silver and Reynolds are there, and I think like Evil Uno. And, I know and like, Colt just re-upped, didn't he? Colt re-upped, but it sounds like he, they re-upped because like the, he's I guess tight with, or friends with the Young Bucks, and they convinced Tony Khan to like renew his contract. But it seems like Colt is probably going to be going to Ring of Honor yeah. whenever that actually gets a show. Yeah. If it does get a show, which I imagine it will in some fashion, probably by the end of the year. But they're like. <laughs> working that out yeah it well so it might just be that it's a uh it might just be that they they had some prominence they're treading water for a little while until they do some, you know the trios titles show up and then you know 
Dark Order's in a good spot for it mm-hmm. and have them go. Or it might be it's like we're you know we we did a bunch of stuff with you guys. We're giving you a break for a little bit and then we'll come back. I, I don't know. I'm just theorizing at this point, but I suspect that the the big return feud. Uh, when Kenny gets back, is it'll be Omega and the Bucks versus um, yeah, just uh, leader Cole and yeah, whatever they're calling themselves Cole Red Dragon. And then if they if if they pull if Cole and Red Dragon pull a fourth, then they'll go tap Hangman for it. Well, because remember, mm. Paige was a Bullet Club member. Yeah. So that's. That's what I'm uh, foreseeing, but I don't know when. And if it's going to be a while before Omega's back, then this is as good a time as any for Cole to take a break. When Cole came in, he said, you know, Kenny was around here and he was in charge, but now I'm the one here to actually get things done. And the Bucks were like, uh, belt click. And they were like, all right, I guess. So that's what I imagine the crux of it's going to be. But we'll, I've, also, we'll... I've also enjoyed, speaking of, of things that have been funny recently i've enjoyed the memes about like the chad christian versus the virgin <laughs> edge yeah 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 god christian christian in what like three minutes cut a more scathing promo than you've seen in wwe in years yeah well, i liked him yelling at jungle boys family like your dad raised an asshole <laughs> yeah He's a no. He called him a piece of shit. Yeah, that's right. He's a piece yeah. of shit. You raised a piece of shit. Someone yeah. actually, and I don't think AEW did this on purpose, but they they did this whole thing theorizing like that this was a year long scam by Christian to get Jungle Boy back for eliminating him in that battle royal. Yeah, title shot that, last year. Like Christian all but like confirmed that theory. Oh, he did. Yeah. Like in, when, yeah. When he, yeah. When he was like when like he was interviewed, uh, you know, like a week or so, like literally, I think his past dynamite about. Like why? Why'd you turn? And then he's like, "Yo, you think I forgot?" He basically said, "Like you think I forgot that he eliminated me mm-hmm. from that?" Like, and all you people cheered for that, and like he basically has held a grudge for like months, and he waited and he plotted almost a year. Yep. This is kind of like a. a this is sad, and I think that they, I think realistically they probably are like cooling things down because the goal I imagine was to have him eventually like feud with punk again and maybe take the title maybe he's the one to to dethrone punk but mjf it's like almost like all the heat has taken off of him because there's been like 20 things that have happened since the whole mjf uh double or nothing controversy and it really honestly seems like the more fascinating stuff is happening with christian right now even though he's only given like one promo well, it feels like, to me, I've, I've been very critical of their booking this year, but it feels like the last three weeks, someone finally, either Tony figured out that things had gone off the rails or someone said to him, hey, dude, you got to fix this stuff because they, they like, course corrected on a lot of the really bad stuff. Like, they put Tony Storm over Britt Baker for a title shot, They did, and they've done <clears> some <throat> other stuff to, like, get yeah. things back on track. Like, I'm still a little dubious of their booking, this year but it's gotten better the last couple weeks yeah i um i well it's gonna be important well shit i guess butting gus is tomorrow Mm -hmm. uh for aw but it's gonna be important to see like where they go because 
we'll see. We'll see. Like now that the Forbidden Door stuff is gone, and they can just focus on their own product, like we'll see. We'll see what they do. But I think that they have uh, plenty of time to like course correct. Yeah, and then the yeah. main event was John Moxley beating Hiroshi Tanahashi, and which was a good match yes it was you had a couple issues with Tadahashi and the tag on Dynamite did he impress you more the second time out um a little more but from what uh, talking with you guys this is this is Tanahashi at um like 45 years old yeah um his shoulders are screwed and happened Mm -hmm. for a long time it, it it was a good match um, there was a spot where people got mad about uh, Moxley blading, and it, I can see why they would get that way. But most people, on in hindsight, I don't think they did. I think they had a, I think they cracked heads on the sling blade because the um, it looked like Mox's cut was was near the the crown on his forehead, right up there where the the skin gets a little thin. Um, I don't think he just bladed for it because uh, the match didn't need that. And but you know it was a good match. But you know Mox goes over it, the the end sequence had a really good build to it. Mox hits the Death Rider, goes over clean. You know it was it was good stuff. Um, there was some complaint about having uh, Jericho Appreciation Society and Suzuki Gun run in after the main, and then having Claudio come out and. Uh, you know, help clean house and that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what else? Really? Can you say it's a good match. Yeah, there's it some does. people that are bitching about that. I, I can, I guess, I guess, but I mean, I think that perfectly sets up for blood and guts like this yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. And I, I, it, in my opinion, it made like the the BCC guys and even people like Kingston like look like like bosses like they yeah it made them look really 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 cool mm-hmm. and made it made claudia like a guy who just debuted like that night made him look like a boss like he's standing in the ring there mm-hmm. at the end uh and it made there's some there was a fun interaction between him and eddie kingston who i yeah. think it's all like a work but like eddie kingston has <laughs> on social media eddie kingston has been like like hating on claudio for like a long time yeah, and so they there's a little bit of like, well, they can can they can they coexist? It's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm sure you know, they can. Hilarious is if um, is if he does a promo later, and he's pissed about the BDK stuff, and mm-hmm. references that on um AEW TV. Yeah, that's uh somebody did a big breakdown about the the feud between Claudio and Kingston. So does it date back to that or does it predate um, the BDK? I think he was I, I, I haven't gotten to watch the whole thing yet, but I think he was referencing the Chikara stuff mainly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's look, Forbidden Door was a good show and it's not going to have every dream match on it, because if you do that, then why would you do another Forbidden Door? They, just, they already, went above already... and beyond because I didn't even think they were going to do Okada and they. They yeah. Pulled him yeah. Out. From what I have heard, people, it's just like really well received. Like people who didn't even like the build for it, like wound up saying like it came to like it came together really well. And it seems so far superficially, like the early reports are that it, it, it this got at least like a hundred thousand buys. 
and that's kind of automatic for AEW though. Like I think it it is uh, they for like a I think like a regular one of the regular AEW pay per views they can get better than that. They've but... been they because when because I think since the all out last year they went from like being between 100 and 120 for to being like 140 to 175 is like their norm yeah. now. I think we'll Tony see. Khan put out that they made a million on the gate and five million on pay per view. Yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. Now I imagine like they're gonna have to split some of that money with New Japan, but I mean that's six million between the two. Uh, uh, that's good. Let yeah. alone like whatever they made from like merchandising sales and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exciting. I mean I think it's really good. And uh, one last thing about the 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 main event. Um, I think as much as I like Moxley, and Moxley's like on another level himself, like I think it's a testament that even kind of like older and kind of broken down as he is, it's a testament to how like how much of a babyface Tanahashi is. That from what I've read, that people were just going like crazy, like ex- like he basically they almost like turned Moxley. Like people didn't want him to win; they wanted Tanahashi to win. They were chanting "Go Ace, Go!" Yeah. Like, because, and, like because mm-hmm. Tanahashi has like amazing charisma. Yeah, it, Tana. I try to tell people like for people who maybe are not as knowledgeable in New Japan, it's this is not quite the same because I feel like Tanahashi is a better worker. Uh, and he, at least in America, obviously doesn't have like the mainstream success. But it's like, okay, what if John Cena stayed with wrestling? Like he didn't venture out to Hollywood or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, kind of like Kanahashi. And, again, like, the work rate's not the same and everything. But it's the same in the sense that it's, like, you have John Cena, who uh, I actually think is a, is a pretty good worker when he wants to be. Uh, it's the same level where it's, like, the charisma is, like, off the charts. It's believable that, you know, this guy was pushed as, like, the main guy for years and years and years. Same way with Tanahashi. It's, like, Tanahashi hasn't been, like, truly the ace a new Japan for like a few years. Well, longer yeah. than that, more like five yeah. or six years now. Yeah, but he's still a guy that is like you can put you can put him in a world title match, and you don't even blink an eye. It's like the guy has both like the the legacy and he can still perform at a high enough level in I rising mean, we, the occasion. We had that. We gave um, him and Kenny from a couple years ago five stars on this podcast. Yeah, that was only I think that was 2020 uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. So Shad, I have, a, I have one question before we wrap up tonight. So yeah. being like your first, like I th- would say, prolonged exposure to Okada and Tanahashi, what did you think of like both guys and their star power? They are, they they both carry their aura well. They're both very good. I um, I probably don't hold them in the same regard as a lot of people do because I don't have the exposure on that or maybe I'm just uh, really not on the the New Japan style wagon but even with that caveat I still they're both very good and so um, you know thumbs up I mean definitely worth watching kind of stuff I think it needs to be said about Okada because I think people forget because he's so young, but he is like legitimately a living legend at this point in his mm-hmm. career. Yeah. Okada is like, I don't think he's, I think he's turning 35 Yeah. or maybe he's turning 36, but he's, 
he's like mid 30s yeah and we are in the age where it's like like look tanahashi is like he he's 45 turning 46 this year and he can still work at a like a pretty high level it's like you could have a kata you might have a kata for like another 10 years yep yep and if a kata like retired tomorrow it's hall of fame level like already yep. Yep. So it's kind of like crazy. He'll be a first ballot observer guy. He's going to probably be like Kenny Omega. It's like Kenny Omega like doesn't seem like his in-ring career is technically done and already is in like the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's only made that stronger since. Yeah. Since then. But, so that so, is Forbidden Door. Yeah. Um, the biggest like thing. A good show. The biggest thing about Forbidden Door for me was. It made me sad for the simple reason that I, after watching how good it was, I wanted to go out and have a banger match with somebody, and I can't. Like that was that was how good that show was. I want to go out there and kick some ass with somebody, but that that part of my life's done. So uh, it's been a long time since I felt like that. That's that's how good a show I regarded uh, what I got to see. Well, I say that's it for this week. Um, next yep. week is our Royal Rumble 91 review. Yep. So everybody will be looking for you next week. Thank you for joining us uh, for this episode. And uh, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.